Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for today, for giving us yet an opportunity to come to you. We pray, O oh God, that you guide us throughout the whole of this message and throughout the whole of the church service. I hide myself under the cross. Speak to me and speak to the brethren. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. We're going to talk about pressing with a pure conscience. We will look at the, what the conscience is, what is the nature of the conscience, how we are going to press. We're going to also look at the scriptures, examples of pure conscience, examples of dead conscience, and finally, how do we press on with this? Majority of the discussions we have been going through all this is for to help us to reach the goal. So what is this thing called conscience? What is conscience? Conscience is defined by so many cultures. The lawyers have their definition. The traditional people have their own definition. The Bible has its own definition. But I will take you through the Bible. Let's look at Romans chapter 2, 14 to 15. Conscience is actually somebody's ability to differentiate between right and wrong, which originates from God. It is that still voice that tells you, don't do this thing or do this particular thing inside you. That's what conscience is all about. In Romans chapter 2, from verse 14 to 15, he said, Indeed, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are law for what? For themselves. Even though they do not have what? The law. Is, this is the New King James. In the Living Bible, he said, He will punish sin wherever it is found. He will punish the hidden when they sin, even though they do not have God's laws, written laws. They don't have the law, but they will be punished. See the reason. For down in their hearts, they know right from what? Wrong. God's laws are written within them. Their own conscience accuses them or sometimes do what? Excuses them. Praise God. In Igbo tradition, naturally, and a is it not true? In Igbo tradition, we grew up in an in an Igbo culture. I grew up from a very village setting. Igbo na sibu na what? Ejimofo, is it not true? As a child, I was here in Ejimofo. Do you understand? So it is an erosion of conscience. Initially, is it not true? So as I was growing as a child, getting to university, so Ijiofo now became what? Useless. So when you put then the other thing that because of their conscience, the Igbos know fully well when they have their red cap. That red cap is what? Blood. Once, once, when you go where they do that, yeah, whatever they do, they now say that. 
isige what meme anazobunye so not only that your head will be bloody you will fall into what a bottomless pit so they relied on human conscience human conscience is so important in any setting in any world traditional setting praise god so what is the nature of conscience there are, i'll give you about five natures one is that conscience produces guilt inside you if you go to john chapter 8 verse 7 i'll be reading because i know so that we won't waste time quickly get into your scriptures conscience produces what guilt that's the first thing the conscience produces In John chapter 8 the woman that was caught in the act of adultery was brought to Jesus Christ he or she was caught and then people were carrying stones to stone her to death Jesus kept on when in 8:7 say when they kept on questioning him he straightened up and said to them If any of you is without sin, let him be the first to do what to throw stones. There was a place I was walking, I was walking at a stage they now gathered a group of people and said, "I look, they want to stop bribing." So after some time, everybody kept quiet. One person raised up his hand. See, anybody here who has not taken bribe should be for the person to address us do you know the meeting ended this is is appealing to what conscience and for us as christians these people who wanted to stone that woman to death jesus did what appeal to their what conscience he didn't even tell them you are a sinner you are if you have no sin what do you do throw the first word stone praise god The other one is that conscience can reassure you of your innocence. If you are very here, if you are innocent and you are good, the conscience, your conscience can do what can reassure you. If you look at Acts of the Apostles chapter 23 verse 1. Paul told Ananias and the Sanhedrin there, I have fulfilled my duty in to God in all good conscience to this day. Even though after he has said that they slapped him he said i have done what fulfilled my duty to god in all good conscience to this very day paul was sure of himself he told them that look his conscience is clear nobody is going to doubt that particular conscience but the third one is that this conscience really is it really wholly reliable is it reliable on his own is it 100% once your conscience paul told us no in first corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 paul told us this conscience is not totally is not 100% reliable he said my conscience is clear but that does not make me innocent it is the lord who do what who judges me first corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 So your conscience is clear even though it is not the final proof it is the Lord himself who must examine and determine our conscience praise God The fourth one is that 
before the conscience can actually be deadened, you can kill your conscience for lack of use. If you don't use your conscience, it will be dead. That's why some people continue doing a particular thing for so many times without any recourse. Your conscience can be dead. If you look at Romans chapter 1 verse 24, Therefore God gave them up to uncleanliness in the lust of their hearts to disorder their bodies among them. They were given a reprobate mind. It reached a stage, and I pray it will never happen to any of us, where God can give up to you and allow you to do whatever you want to do. Praise God. Finally, this conscience can be cleaned up. In Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14, it now asks, How much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ, who the, through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience for acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Conscience, in this sense, conscience is an aid to our spiritual growth. It monitors, it's like a magistrate, it's like a guard, it's like a deputy God in your life. He wants you and wants you and wants you. Still small, small voice. It is only when you continue to ignore that warning, ignore that three voice, that you now move to a deadened conscience. Praise God. So how do we press, how do we press with a pure conscience? In the church tradition, we examine our conscience when we come to the church, before we receive Holy Communion, this is traditional. And examination of conscience is two ways. It can be a general examination, which we do. It can also be a specific examination if you want to press on properly. The general examination goes through your general life, but is not specific. But the specific examination goes how to sort out your particular sin. Praise God. When we are coppers, we are just sitting in a place. Before, after this holy coming, after the examination, they say that you examine your conscience and then you now go and receive the holy communion. We are three to four coppers sitting in a stretch. After some time, after the church service, one of the couples ran up and told me, look, that he was even afraid to come to church today. That even one of his partners that received the Holy Communion, that he slept with her yesterday, that she was afraid even to come to church. But that this person didn't only come to church, but he also went ahead and received the Holy Communion. So the conscience is, has been deadened. That is no longer regarded anything. That somebody can actually tell you, examine their conscience, talk about this, is that you can ignore what your spirit is telling you and go ahead and do what is right. So when we talk about examination of conscience, examination of conscience is in such a way that it must follow an action. You don't just examine your conscience and then do whatever you want to do. It becomes a routine. Majority of us examine our conscience before Holy Communion, whenever we come to church on a daily. We have also examined today. Is it not true? It's a church tradition, but it is not to be taken very lightly that way. It's a very serious business. The serious business is in such a way that when you examine your conscience, when you come, 
to the church is just like enumeration of your sins. Trying to fight, tell God that look, look at what I have done, look at what I have done throughout the past week. And not only that, you resolve not to fall back into that particular sin. Otherwise, they are coming to church and doing this thing routinely becomes useless as a person. So, when we talk about overview of our own spiritual state, one takes detailed examination of one's thoughts, your words, and your deeds. St. Paul said that he subject every thought to what? To the obedience of what? Christ. Praise God. When you are doing the general examination, it is actually of your conscience, it's designed in such a way that you beg for forgiveness from God. Tell God that, look, I have done badly. Look at what I have done. And then you now resolve to amend your ways. Let us look at our people who have done. Let's look at Job chapter 27 verse 6. Job in 27 verse 6 said, I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as as I live. He looked at himself. He said, I will maintain my righteousness and never let it what, go off. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. If your conscience pricks you and tells you that whatever you are doing is wrong, please consider it. Consider it. Don't allow it to go home. In Job chapter 1 verse 5, Job was there saying, when a period of feasting has run its course, Job will send and have them what? Prefile his children. Early in the morning, he will sacrifice a bond offering for each of them, thinking perhaps my children have sinned and caused God in their hearts. The Bible concluded that it was Job's regular custom. Is it not how it is written in your Bible? It was Job's word, regular custom. You see, these are the, you see, another translation says, maybe one of them sinned by defying God inwardly. This was, he had reached a stage where Job has gone away from obvious sins to a sin that is committed in the heart of his children, even in his own heart. That is what we call moving to a higher ground in terms of breaking your conscience. Praise God. But in specific person towards God, after the general examination, which we have also said, involves enumeration of your sins, confessing for your sins, begging for your sins, it should not only be done during church services. It should be done on a daily basis. Either when you are going to sleep, you review your life and make an amend. When you get up in the morning, you also review your life and make amends. If you don't do this thing regularly, it's unlikely you are going to move on as a Christian. I have one person who came to look for a job. I now I say, I say, ah, what are you doing? We doing before. She told me she was selling. She said, when you were selling, what exactly was your gain? And what was your... She answered in Hebrew, Niamade. 
yani mix yegoni in the up. I say, okay, what happened? He said, that is why your business world collapsed. So if you don't go specifically to your life and find out where you miss it regularly, then it is unlikely that you are going to press with your good conscience. Examination of conscience is like a muscle. You must tune it up. Otherwise, it goes into what? Disuse atrophy. For those of you who are in medicine, you know, if you don't use your muscle, if you don't do exercise, sometimes your muscles, see those who do exercise, I hope you see how big their muscles are. The same thing with your conscience. If you don't use it, at a stage it becomes deadened. It, you have to continue using and reusing your conscience. So in specific examination of your conscience, it is something that is targeted at a particular sin. If it's something like jealousy, which means a soul that aches when others do well. If it is lying, do you understand? It is, it is something that is specific to you. Short in a, a, somebody ran up to me and told me one day that when he looks at the ages of the people in his department, that he suddenly becomes the oldest one. Because everybody now goes on and goes on to almost, to do what? To falsify the age. When I was filling my phone, when I was a young, when I graduated as a, I mean, as a consultant, we were filling forms to submit to the university. One of the people called me and told me, can I coach up to 10 years from our life? So now it's in our coach up to 10 years from your life. Because this is seven years when in a work. Because it coach up to 10 years. How can you do that? Because some people even have falsified their age and every day they go to work knowing fully well that it is not their age that is written there. So over the years, that conscience has been what? Deadened. So it's the same thing with specific things you do concerning. So when we press on, we press on in such a way that all these things that are around us, is it unforgiveness? Is it unforgiveness? It is difficult for you to forgive for any reason. We have no reason because Jesus forgave us before Jesus forgave us our own sins, so you have no reason not to forgive what anybody. Love your enemies and pray for those who what who persecute you. These things are important. So the sin one person commits may be different from the other because of your nature. Some person may be lying, some person may have jealousy, some person may be having fornication, some people it may be money. Do you understand? It may be jealousy because of the nature. So when you look at it, you find those besetting sins that you commit on a daily basis. Is it lying in the office and try to work on it through specific examination of your conscience? If it is possible, you can write it down. Those quiet, silent hours that God Himself will do what will help us in Jesus' name. You examine your strength and your weakness as you walk with the Lord. You also examine the number and frequency of that particular sin. There are certain sins that are repeated on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. There are certain sins that when they shout, they tell you for over two to three years, you have never gotten involved in that particular sin. But there's a sin that you continue committing on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. These are what you tackle at that time of specific examination of your conscience. Not necessarily during the general examination as we do in the church. 
you walk specifically towards it and then that is the only way you can press on very well. So, how do you examine your conscience? How do you? First of all, you can put it according to your meals. Remember the, the Jewish people or the synagogue is not the way we do here. Something like Sunday, Sunday medicine, weekly service. How many times do they pray during the day? In the real synagogue. Is it once? Is it twice? They pray, they pray more regularly than we do. So if you want to examine your conscience properly, first of all, examine, you can link it to your food. In the morning, on arising in the morning, you determine to collect the fault one has been trying to eliminate from one's life. But a particular virtue we are trying to cultivate. One is that there are two things that faces you every day as a Christian, where you want to press with a pure conscience. One is that you are trying to avoid a particular sin. The second is that you are trying to improve on your Christian life. In trying to avoid a particular sin, maybe a lie, you make up your mind that, look, you will not lie in the office today. Or if you have, if you have taken an affidavit and you were born in 1960 and affidavit read 1970, you decide to remove it tomorrow. <laughs> That is specific thing that are specific to you as a person. It is not a general thing that is concerning anybody. It's not general. Or if there is somebody that you who have not been you have not been talking in the office, you decide that tomorrow morning that you are going to embrace the person. That is specific and personal with your conscience. I told one of my workers, he was quarreling with one of them, I told him, look, go and greet. When she comes the next morning, first of all, greet her. After some time, she ran back to my office and told me, oh, I said, did you greet her? She said, what did she do? She said, she spat on my face. He said, this is, this, this is what I'm telling you, that you must do what you must press on. Hmm? Tomorrow you greet, she will continue spitting on your face till she's what tired. That's what Jesus Christ taught us. So in specific examination of conscience, you determine that you are going to throw away one fault. And then you also determine that you are going to improve on what you already have. It sets the tone for that particular day. And once you have decided to do that, when you move on that particular day, the tone has been set. Nobody will defeat you in that particular day, praying unto God. But if you just wake up in the morning, without examining your conscience, without determining this sin I'm going to avoid, this is what I'm going to do particularly. It is unlike this. You are not going to do well. When we were in the university, there were a group of people who were You know what it means. It's a planless life. You must have a specific thing you are going to do that particular day. To press on and try to avoid so that if there's anything people have accused you of in the past, you are very unlikely to fall to it. Praise God. So you avoid dangers and then you correct the defects. In the afternoon, you also examine your conscience. The fault you committed in the morning and resolve to correct it. You can do it during your break. If you are, usually there is a break in several service. During that particular time, if you are set up to greet somebody in the morning, and when you see the person, you didn't greet the person. 
Don't leave that office till you have corrected it that particular day. It can be done during your break and it must be a definite vice. Okay, one particular thing, jiggy. Okay, one particular thing, jiggy. And you must decide not attack Ogebi. Is it not true? It will end today. Finally, in the evening, you also examine your conscience before one goes to bed. That was a final. Or even if you are lying on your bed, you may not really sleep immediately. But you can, even if you are staying with anybody, inside your mind, you ask yourself, where have I gotten it wrong for today? Somebody may think you are sleeping, but because David said, my sins are all what? Are always before me. Image Rana Keta, all those sins will appear before you clearly. They were saying, that's how God created us. My sins are always what? Before me. It is real for you to acknowledge that sin that are always before you and fight and press. Praise God. Hebrews 12 verse 1 told us that, look, since we have such a great crowd of men of faith watching us from grandstand, let us treat off anything that slows us down and holds us back, especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trips us up and let us run with patience the particular race God has set before us and keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. We are saved. We are giving our life to Christ. We have answered an altar call, but we must continue to examine and move on with a pure conscience. And that's the only way this gospel will be accepted unto us. If you look, for a particular thing, look at Job chapter 31 verse 1. Before I now give you examples of pure conscience and we gradually stop. In Job chapter 31 verse 1 something Job stayed there. I was actually wondering whether he's actually Job himself because I have read his CV before. In the beginning, even God boasted, is it not true? Job was a CV. CV CV. But Job in that one one said he has made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. So he was now trying in Job that one wrong, which means he has a problem. Is it not true? He is attacking a specific sin. He is pressing on and that thing that we are easily besetting. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because these are Job. Imagine when we go to heaven. These are people who will be standing in a grandstand like this. You will be standing here and then we walk in. Supposing God asks those who, uh, who did evangelism when you were on earth and Paul came, would you quickly run behind him? That will first of all say, is it not true? Because if you don't matter, before he joined another group. Is it not true? These are what we need to really listen to. Specific sin need what? Specific action in examination of your conscience. 
Let's look at examples of Daniel, Paul, and Samuel. And then before we go. In Daniel chapter 6 verse 5. Examples of those who prove this pure conscience. You are there. That was when they wanted to get Daniel. You say, finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his uh, God. In our offices, where we work, is it possible for somebody to say that we will not find any basis of charges against you except if you want to move unto your God? One of the brothers went to Kotonu to buy a vehicle. When he came back, he said, I say, my brother, on the road. Never find me. In short, that the Holy Spirit departed. Do you understand? Because he was a good brother. If he was not, he would have led me also into because only way began on I hope it is clear. So if there is nothing, what's a major Are you getting what What you want to know? See major He was just in short, the word he concluded that the Holy Spirit word departed from him. Even though but it is important that nothing should actually make us to fall prey. Then let's look at Paul on money. Egoa. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 20 to 22. Message Bible here. Second Corinthians chapter 8, 20 to 22. Instead, we do not want anyone suspecting us of taking one penny of this money for ourselves. We are being careful in our reputation with the public as in our reputation with God. In the Living Bible, Paul, this is Paul who I'm talking about. Paul said, by traveling together, we will guide against any suspicion of any suspicion. So Paul was saying that, look, if we are guiding any word, suspicion. For we are anxious that no one should find fault with the way we are handling this large gift. God knows we are honest, but I want everyone else to know it too. That is why we have made this arrangement. In the fellowship, there was one brother who wanted to investigate the account of the fellowship. We are all brethren. Do you understand? One of the seniors that answered something that was very clear to me as a young person then. I said, we are investigating you to keep you holy. That's when the brother closed his mouth. Do you understand? The essence is that money is something you must 
as much as possible. If you are in the office, you are carrying a fire. If somebody is coming to you, you are doing this, you, are, you must avoid it. Paul himself wanted everybody to know around him that it has nothing to do with the large gift he was given. Mammon is real. Is it not true? Mammon is real. In pulling a fire, Jordan sure, wanted to register one uh, just to get approval of a building. For nearly five years, I have not succeeded. Sure, that it reached a stage. See, I told the person there, look, you want me to, you want me to give you this money. He just told me, you see, okay. Right, received from Professor Zegui, the amount of the, being proceeded from corruption. That's what I told him to write up. See, I just write it, I'll give you. Being proceeds for what? Corruption. You live in a world where it is extremely difficult for you to take a step. I understand that not existing in the air. It is extremely difficult for you to take a step without somebody trying to entangle you into something that will keep you sleepless night on a day. You just be vexing like lots in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. But that's why we are here as Christians. To try to press on with our conscience. So that when we move in, like myself working in the teaching hospital, move into the labor world, move into the gynec, say about this man, you this man, he will just tell you. Because the whole thing is that the greatest place you can hear, get your testimony, is your home and the place where you work. Not here we are. Do you understand? Holding our heads and turning our heads at an angle of 45 degrees. You can't determine anybody here. It is when you get to the office or you get what? The person's home. That's when you know whether the person is really a Christian, whether we are actually pressing on with this good conscience. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, 1 to 5, Samuel addressed the people again. Look, he said, I have done as you asked. I have given you a king. I have selected him ahead of my own sons. And now I stand here, an old gray-haired man who has been in public service from the time he was a lad. Samuel was saying this in 1 Samuel chapter 12, 1 to 5. Now tell me, I stand before the Lord and before his word, anointed king. Whose ox have I stolen? Have, have I ever defrauded you? Have I ever oppressed you? Have I ever taken a bribe? Tell me, I will make it right, whatever I have done wrong. Samuel will know the story of his birth. He said from the time he was a lad, he asked his people, where he has been in the public service for that long, from a child, from child he was a child, he now addressed because he has a pure conscience. I pray God that those of us who work both in public services, in Parkland, in UNTH, in judiciary, in the lands, in everywhere, on your retirement, as you attend before you retire, during your ceremony, can you read First Samuel chapter 12, 1-5? As you are leaving office, 
Can you read it out of your conscience? And everybody there, if you go on to First Samuel chapter 12, 1, you see how the people answered. They agreed with him. Is it not true? That he didn't defraud anybody. He didn't put his hands in anything. God will help us in Jesus' name. Let's everybody open John chapter 13. I will show you example of a dead conscience. Conscience that are dead. John chapter 3 from verse 18. Jesus was addressing the disciples. I will show you only two good examples and then we close. Jesus was saying, I am not saying this thing to all of you. I know so well each of you I chose. The scripture declares, One who eats supper with me will betray me, and this will soon come true. I tell you this now, so that when it happens, you will believe on me. Truly, anyone welcoming my messenger is also welcoming me. And to whom, and to welcome me is also to welcome the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was in great anguish of spirit and exclaimed, Yes, it is true, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering who could, who could mean. Since I was sitting next to Jesus, John was writing, Jesus at the table, being his closest friend, Simon Peter motioned to me to ask him who it was who will, who will do this terrible deed. So I turned and asked him, Lord, who is it? He told me, it is the one I honor by giving the bread dipped in a sauce. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of what is carrots. As soon as Judas had eaten it, Satan entered into him. Jesus told him, hurry, do it now. Look at Judas. Jesus was with him. Not only that, he had made an arrangement to betray Jesus Christ. He joined in the supper. Is it not true? Jesus was also in great anguish and said, one of you will betray me. Majority of us may be hearing this gospel for so long. In great anguish. So one of you will betray me. You know, when somebody, when I now ask somebody, it's not true. Remember the sequence. Judas has eaten this thing before Satan entered him. Look at that passage first. It's not the devil. He killed his conscience. He was there. Everybody was eating and drinking. He kept quiet. He knew he had all the arrangement to betray Jesus Christ. It was those two voice was coming to him. He refused to obey that voice. See, as soon as he told him, Jesus, when you really read the scriptures, you understand this Jesus. Jesus said that it is the one I honor. Because you know what it means for Jesus or for Buburu or for Buhari to give you something. Is it not true? So Jesus said, the one I will honor. And still that time, Judas and went ahead to do what he did. The last example. Let's go to Acts of the Apostles chapter 1, 1 to 5. Because your conscience may be telling you something that we are doing, we are doing wrong, we are doing this. In June, 
And I will stop at these two examples and then we close. I will just discuss the third thing and then we close. There was a man named Ananas with his wife Sapphira who sold some property and brought only part of the money, claiming it was the full price. His wife had agreed to this deception. But Peter said, Ananias, Satan has filled your heart. When you claim this was the full price, you were lying to the Holy Spirit. The property was yours to sell or not, as you wished. That was Paul. Was the property to sell or not? That was as you wished. After selling it, it was yours to decide how, you are, how much you are going to give. How could you do a, do a thing like this? You, were, you weren't aligned to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor dead. Everyone was terrified, and the younger man covered him with a sheet and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what has happened. Peter asked her, Did you, did your people sell your land for such and such a price? Yes, she replied, we did. And Peter said, How could you and your husband even think of doing a thing like this? Conspiring together to test the spirit of God's ability to know what is going on. Just outside the door are the young men who buried your husband and they will carry you out too. Instantly she fell to the floor dead and the young men came in seeing that she was dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Those voices. There was one of these churches. One of their bishops, he said, why they don't do offerings and do titan is that they don't want this thing to happen in their church. That's one bishop. Because, you see, we do things, when we look at the biblical standard, we do things as if God is so merciful unto us. Because when he sold the land, the Bible said, it is his duty not to sell the land. Is it not true? When he sold it, it is also his duty not to bring it to the church at all. Because the family, the children became orphans for just lying. You see the seriousness of trying to vary the conscience which we have. So these are two examples of dead conscience. And I pray God that at the end of today, your conscience will no longer be dead in Jesus' name. Why do we have a clear conscience? First Peter chapter 3 verse 10. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be what? Ashamed of their word slander. So in such a way that when somebody says you are a Christian, it means you are what a Christian. Initially, we are, people were called Christians. They moved to born-again Christians. Is it not true? From born-again Christian to really born-again. Truly born-again. These are erosions. Do you understand? They are erosions of integrity and conscience. 
If you are born again Christian, you are born again. You must not be truly born again. So we are just trying to qualify something and accepting something that has gone wrong. A Christian, is it not what was written in the Acts of the Apostles? That we are first of all called what? Yes. So because of those erosions like the traditional Igbo Ichimofo, we are now trying to do something that looks so bad. Let's look at ourselves in our tithes and offering. Is the money you offer here, is it really your tithes? The only thing that may be saving off is that the, the, the church, by their grace, also writes special offering. If it is not your tithe, you write it what? Special offering. Do you take bribe in the office? I have tried as much as possible to look at the character of Christians and non-Christians when they are moving your fire, both in the lands, in UNTH. Truly, the difference is not much. Attitude. In seeking your admissions, in exam practices, in sign for young people, in signing your logbooks, in project writing, do you copy? Because it's a perpetual sin. When you come back to your library, you see a project you have what copied. And then you are either a professor or something. It will be reminding you that you did what you copied. That's what we call plagiarism. In your age declarations, in signing of your logbooks, in keeping boyfriends and girlfriends, in your postings, do you attend your postings properly? As a student, for those of us who are teachers and consultants, do you attend your lectures regularly? Do you attend your lectures? All of the brethren, or what we call you in the you are in UNTH or in Parkland, or you know, either in your clinic or you are in Obete. How do you get your building plan approved by these people? Sometimes when I go home, I begin to wonder, do, do we run away? We can't. We have to show the good example. Let us pray. Don't think of anybody else except your conscience. Your own conscience. Because we shall all travel through this lonely road to go and see the judgment seat of Christ. Tell God that these things that are always before you on a daily basis, that you are making up your mind that it will not no longer be sinful again. Those vices that you commit on a daily basis. If you are here and you are not giving your life to Christ, God cannot cleanse you at all. This message is not totally for you because it is impossible for you to have a good conscience, a pure conscience, where you are still battling with the first step. Just press your hand on your chest. If you are giving your life to Christ today, press your hand on your chest. I did this thing many years ago. If this Bible is not true, I will have abandoned it. 
You place a hand on your chest and tell Jesus to come into your life. And the Reverend will pray for you. Are you pressing your hand on your chest? It's the right thing to do. Because Jesus said, I'm standing at the door of your heart. And your conscience, which the Spirit of God has called alive now, knows whether there's a witness in you that you are in Christ or whether you are still in your sin. If you are pressing your hand on your chest, just raise it up. Just take one more step. Raise it up where you are. I'm pressing my hand on my chest. I'm asking for the forgiveness of sins. I want to surrender my life to Christ. Just raise that hand very well. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You love me. You died on the cross for my sins. You paid the price for my old life. While I was still in sin, you died for me. This moment, I invite you into my life. As I repent of my old life, of my past, and of my sins, and turn to you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Give me the power to live for you in pure conscience, sprinkled with that blood that keeps me free from sin. Thank you as you hear me through Jesus Christ our Lord.